0: welcome to the sunday session on nrl.com my name is chris kennedy my co-pilot kenny scott is back after a couple of weeks off on baby duty we're here to talk about round 23 of the nrl telstra premiership but before we do that my very great uh, pleasure and privilege to welcome former uh, penrith south manly new south wales and kangaroos uh front rower mark spud carroll spud thank you so much for joining us
1: ah thanks for having me on your podcast looking forward to it
0: um, me too very much uh, before we talk about some footy you've obviously uh or maybe not obviously if people haven't been uh you know watching the, the latest news and, and media appearances you've got a, a book out and there's some um, some pretty wild tales to go around
1: yeah um the book actually came out on tuesday the 17th of august uh covid bit me on the backside. um the book's called spud the mark carroll story i've always wanted to write a book and my good mate adam hawes wrote it. his first book and absolutely nailed it it's come out on audio book um Wayne Blair, the fantastic Australian actor, has done that. Um, Russell Crowe did the forward for me, and it's just some, just a great stories. I had a listener on audiobook today, and had a bit of a chuckle because um, it brings back so, so many fond memories. You know, just from childhood. Um, you know, the playing first grade. You know, no doubt the chief is in there. There's a chap Ron Bozo. Tom Radonicus. All the people that put me together to play rugby league.
0: There's uh, plenty of sporting books out there, plenty of biographies and autobiographies, but I can't think of too many that feature a rugby league player from Western Sydney who winds up in uh, Hollywood rubbing shoulders with uh, A-listers and playing guitar in front of Sting.
1: Yeah, who would have thought? Someone from Greystones, eh? Um, Someone actually actually sent me a text on Amazon. they are actually sold out a book, so wow, it's not too <laughs> bad from a bloke who lived in a uh, Bradman Street in Greystones. But I my pinched myself. Some of the people I've met through Russell Crowe, Russell's been a massive part of my journey in life since 99 when I met him. Um, I've now got a gym called Spuds, but you know, I was fortunate enough to go into a, a movie with him, Cinderella Man. And if anyone out there hasn't seen that movie, go and check it out. It's a bloody great movie, but see the likes of Ron Howard and Renee Zellwinger, poor G Marty. I'm having dinner with these guys every night. Um, they just love the Aussie, Aussie spirit the way we are. We don't stop talking.
0: Did I read somewhere that everyone took a look and figured you were the, uh, the body double for the boxing movie? <laughs>
1: I did, mate. The first day I got in there, I had to go and get a a nose piece made and ears made. And um, James Braddock looks like me. I look like James Braddock. And every day, Russell had to get these nose pieces put on. And the crazy thing is, people kept looking at old photos. And the great Angelo Dundee said, take your shirt off. And I stood in front of a photo, like a silhouette, how they used to fight. And he goes, you are this cat. You are this cat. I went and showed Russell. He goes, what do you think I got you here? Blah, blah, blah. I still haven't worked that (laughs) part of it out. But... um, it's uh, quite incredible that um I did meet Howard Braddock the original um he's seventy two he's one of his yeah. sons and he came up and said, "Does anyone ever told you to look like my dad?" I went, "Mate, I know." And he said, "Grandkids, this is what your pop looked like."
0: Wow, that's pretty special. How did you? Yeah. Obviously, you hit it off with uh, with Rusty. Did he did he need a bodyguard, or he just wanted to uh, to get you over there? Or- mate,
1: it's, it's a word for the film mate. It's a security bodyguard. At the end of the day, mate, he, He's big enough to look after yourself, But the crazy thing about it in life, we can go other places in the world. No one knows who the hell we are. He can't go anywhere. I mean, he can't even go to Iceland. They'll reckon, recognize him up there. So the main thing, we are no dramas over there in Toronto, Canada. Even around here in, in, um, in Sydney, I think he gets the shits, actually, because some people yell out my name before his. He's... <laughs>
0: he's <laughs> um... Yeah, people have obviously heard a lot of, you know, some of these stories, but um, I mean, you and I had a bit of a yarn earlier in the week for the story that's up mm-hmm. on NRL.com uh, today. There's, there's still some good bits in there that people haven't heard about yet.
1: Yeah, there certainly is. Uh, you know, I went in an arm wrestling contest once when I was 19, I ended up, I ended up being uh, New South Wales champion. But the, you'll see photos in the book, a, I've got arms, there's bigger arms on a clock. This guy is massive, 140 kilo, built for rugby league. Um there's stuff about my dad, um, you know, how he never played rugby league. He was a musician, he was a bass player for Johnny O'Keefe, but he was just the guy I always looked up to. So um there's some fantastic stories in there. And I couldn't do it without my bloody um my wife and my fantastic kids. Um the support they've had. Um now Monique does her own chapter in there. She actually speaks about what she had to go through. It was I look back now and I was I was a nutcase, but that was playing rugby league, mate. You know, I wanted to be the best and I had to do everything to do it.
0: Now, I know you were saying that there's a little bit in there about your sort of fire back at the uh, the Eels who let you go. You were a, a budding junior coming through and they obviously didn't see yeah. the uh, the potential. Now, the question I had for you was how did you go with Horsey, who's a, an Eels diehard, uh, stitching up the Eels <laughs> for the book?
1: No, he's dirty on Parramatta for letting me go, but there were some good <laughs> players that, that have been let go. Um, but as a kid, I got sharp for the age, age of 14, and if there's any young kid out there listening to it, you just got to keep. You just got to keep going, mate. You get a negative, you got to turn it into a positive. I went and played rugby union for two years, and then came back through a different system, through the uh, Penrith system. That's how I got a. Um, everyone thinks I'm a Penrith junior, but I'm actually a para junior. I played for Guildford, Winnie, New, Um, Newman High, and Balkham Hills. Um, I played for that many clubs, but you, know, you just got to keep the dream alive. For any young kid out there listening to this podcast, dreams are made to be broken. They are. You can get, you can break the dream. You can get you can get can get the end goal.
0: Maybe it's just something that they don't like about Greystains because uh, Paul Gallon was a budding Greystains junior at Parramatta, and they shafted him as well. And we look and see what yeah, he's I done for Cronulla. I
1: heard that. Yeah.
0: Um, mate, before we let you go, let's have a, a just a quick chat about the footy. I know you got to uh, to dash off in a, a couple of minutes, but um, I mean, All should right. we talk about your a couple of your old clubs faced off this weekend? The uh, the Panthers and the Souths, two of the top three teams in the uh, the competition. Big chance they uh, they meet again in a, a couple of weeks. Um, do you regard yourself more as a, a rabbito than, than a a seagull or a panther?
1: Um, well, I look at my journey in rugby league. Penrith gave me a chance to play, to play to get graded. Right? And then then George Piggins rung me up at home and said, I want to get, get you down to South. And I got down to South and he goes, i am got to teach you how to play front row. I said, mate, I'm all yours. And then I went to Manly to win a competition with Bozo. And from, Bozo taught me the art of playing rugby league. I had to get down to a certain weight. I was 180 kilo. I couldn't move. I had the mobility line, I was huge, and some of these players, I don't know how they get around the field these days. I had to get to 108, and next thing, I played my best footy. So, I've always got to, you know, I look into each game. It's a bit that game on the weekend, Souths come out, they blew them off at the start, but the game goes for 80 minutes. You can't make mistakes. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how good you are. You cannot make mistakes. And um, and the Penrith Panthers, they just rely on someone making a mistake and, and pouncing, as as they say. Um, geez, they're looking good.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, obviously, the, you know, the Storm are probably the benchmark, but these two teams have done some some phenomenally special things this year, the two of them.
1: Yeah, they certainly have. I was thinking of the Panthers. Um, you know, Pangoy Jr., that was his first uh, game back. He had a couple of loose runs. He doesn't know the plays these days. Like, he'll, he'll get better after another week. The main guy they're missing, he's one of my favorite, Fisher Harris. I wish he was yeah. Australian. I wish he'd played for Australia. I love the way he runs. He runs from the back fence. He hurts people when he runs. He hurts people when he looks at them. That's the sort of bloke he is. And then missing him, I think he might be back next week. And um, yeah, Cleary, I just can't believe no one's really come out the, come out and give Cleary a good whack to see how this shoulder is. Um, If, if you give a penalty, mate, I'll be doing it.
0: I reckon, uh, I reckon Cam Murray gave it a go. I reckon he gave it a bit of a working out. But Cleary's a tough little bugger. He didn't show anything and he, uh, he bounced up and kept going.
1: Yeah, he's a tough, he's tough right. As you can see in the state of origin period, he didn't go off. He did not wince once of pain. He had a sore shoulder. No doubt he took a needle at half time. Um, no one knows that we all know now he had a crook shoulder blah 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 and he got through the state of origin and he was a, ma- he was a major piece of it
0: yeah he was a uh, massive how do you rate South's chances for the rest of the year they've they copped a couple of reality checks mid-year courtesy of the uh the Panthers and the Storm won 10 in a row and then just couldn't quite stay with the Panthers on the weekend they got some superstars in that lineup: up with troll Mitchell Cody Walker a good four pack good backs Do you reckon they've got what it takes to, to mix it with those top two come finals Tom
1: uh, they'll be in the mix. It just worried me how they sort of, I just capitulated to, towards Panthers. Uh, I, I, me personally, they're still missing one player. They're missing a Sam Burgess-like player. They have not replaced him. They just put a couple other big boppers in there. Tom's doing a good job there, but I haven't seen him else take, take it by the, the throat like Sam Burgess used to do and say, boys, come with me. As, but they've got the most outstanding back line, but it doesn't matter how good your back line is. If your old forwards aren't doing a, a job each week, you Won't win games, and there was a test that the Panthers sort of bent him over a little bit. But uh, yeah, Wayne Bennett, it's his last year, so called in rugby league. He wants to go out a winner, mate. He's cagey, he loves this type of season. So look out,
0: mate. Uh, that's absolutely fantastic. Outstanding insights, uh, always great having a chat. Uh, spud the Mark Carroll story. Uh, head to penguin.com.au or uh, any good bookstore, uh, mate. Thanks once again for your, your time, and uh, all the best with the book sales.
1: Cheers.
0: So thanks once again to uh, Mark Carroll. Sorry, Kenny, I kind of uh, dominated that one. Once Bud was uh, wound up and uh, on a roll, I thought I'd just let let him keep going. It's time for us to to talk some footy. We'll start with uh, the game that's just finished, the Warriors and the Broncos. Uh, Despite their position on the ladder, Broncos have been involved in some pretty entertaining games this year. This one was uh, certainly no different. Bit of a controversial finish, nice and tight, but probably ends the uh, the Warriors' possible fairytale late run at the uh, the finals. Do you think that, now that
2: the, the Bulldogs officially wrapped up the wooden spoon when they lost this week, so that meant there was no pressure on the Broncos because all their, all their pressure would have been to just not... Their, their finals chances you know, disappeared a, a while ago. All the pressure would have been to not, not win the spoon again. And now that that pressure's off, do you think that they just sort of went into this game you know, with a, a different attitude? And that's probably why they, they played a, um, a different style to what we've seen um, previously.
0: Maybe a little bit. they've been a hard team to get a a gauge on, but yeah, you're right. There's not much to play for in either direction. Now they can't get the spoon. They can't make the finals. They're just, you know, a few guys playing for contracts. I thought Milford was magnificent. He um, set up a couple of tries. He's launching these gigantic torpedoes, these floating, spiraling, swirling torps that were giving the the Warriors backs a a nightmare. He's dangerous with his running game. He scored a try. Uh, You know, just a little bit of a feeling that South might be able to get some pretty good value out of him next year. Well,
2: if Souths know how to get value out of a better, out of a yeah a bargain basement playmaker, so look what they've done with Benji Marshall, of course. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's any any question there uh, when it comes to the Warriors. And when those games where you score more tries than your position and you still lose must be so hard to take, especially when there was so much on the line. So had, had the Warriors won this, the season's still alive, still in the mix, albeit you know, a slim chance to make the eight, but a chance nonetheless. And yeah, to see it go begging in such uh, heartbreaking circumstances like that must be pretty frustrating.
0: I just wonder, like, Reese Walsh, you know, he's still a teenager. He's a kid. He's got all this pressure on his shoulders. He's come in, he's already the focal point of their attack and trying to win them games. And you can see it on his face how distraught he was at the end, missing that conversion that would have tied it up and then missing the field goal that would have tied it up. I mean, that, you know, 45 meter field goal attempt, he absolutely boomed it and only just went wide. I don't, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I saw Jordan Ruppner earlier in the weekend, barely got it off the ground. There's a lot of sort of senior players who wouldn't have done that well. I just wonder if there's a little bit too much pressure on the kid like that last conversion from out wide on his wrong side maybe there's a case to to give it to chad townsend who's you know he's brushed up on his goal kicking the past year or two and he's a right footer so it was his natural side and um i just wonder if that may be a little bit too much on reese walsh's shoulders at the moment maybe
2: the rule is you know chad's chad's not there beyond the end of this season maybe the rule is just you know the the team rule reese walsh is the long-term solution so he gets to you know, get him as much experience as he can. Um, you know, I agree with you. He is young. Like, the fact that he's the whole team's, um, you know, the the, the the fortunes of the team seem to rest squarely on his shoulders probably has a bit to do with, like, the injury of the Warriors at the moment as well. Like, they're not exactly – they're not at full strength. Um, but still, you're right. He, he is he's pretty young. This is his first season. Um, it's a lot for a young man to take.
0: Yeah, I mean, I dare say the, the thinking was probably just he's our first-choice goal kicker, so we're going to back him in. But having missed a, a couple, and I mean, it's not like he was shaking them from in front. They were tough kicks, but having missed a couple and his confidence maybe not as high as it usually is, maybe there was a case for the old head to to step up and, and take the one from his preferred side. But uh, anyway, 24 points to 22. The Broncos won in the end. It, it does put paid to the, the Warriors' finals hopes, unfortunately, but um, still been a pretty impressive season from them. And Broncos, a, a few glimmers of hope. You know, they... Had, um, you know, Payne Haas has been magnificent as always, but, you know, Sel and Cobo, some nice touches. Tessie New had a, a really good game. So some of their young players... Uh, doing well, which is good signs for them for uh, next year. We're going to move on to the earlier Sunday game. Um, Coming to you from Toowoomba, the Clive Clive Berghofer Stadium, um, Roosters 40 points to 22. This is a weird game. The um, Dragons did some amazing stuff in defense to not concede first, Then they should have scored first and bombed it, and they conceded three tries, and it was a bit of a, you know, here we go sort of thing. then somehow they scored the next three tries, got in front, and then just absolutely folded like a, a deck of cards and lost 40 to 22.
2: Well, that's, isn't that just the, the, the standard season fortunes of the Dragons are they go really well up to about round between round seven and 10 and then they sort of fall in a heap and that's kind of like, you know, that was condensed into the, this period of 80 minutes for this game and that they were going, they started a bit shaky, they were going really well and then, yeah, again, they just sort of fell into a heap, which I think w- would be pretty disappointing for both their players and their fans because, you know, like the Tigers game that we'll get to and the Warriors game that we spoke about, this was a season on the line game, right? So the Dragons are now officially out of the race. This they're, they're languishing on 18 points like a bunch of other teams. And you just would have thought that with such a such a meaningful game and in such a good position against, like the Roosters are such a strong team. They've, you know, they're kind of sticky tapes together this year, like, you know, such as their injury toll. Um, you know, now is probably the best time, you know, um, for the Dragons to beat them if they're ever going to this year. And they just sort of bottled it at the end. It was, yeah, really, really disappointing. And that's not to say that um, it wasn't because the Roosters also didn't play well. Like I thought the Roosters did. They, you know, they scrambled, um, you know, the, the team is basically running on the the fumes of the spirit of James Tedesco at the moment. Like I really think he's, he's become, you know, an inspirational leader and um, he did a lot of the work in the, in the, the game um, for the Roosters today. And uh, yeah, those poor old Dragons fans. Um, yep. Yeah,
0: no finals for them. Yeah, Teresco was phenomenal. Four tri-assists, including the first three tri-assists of the match, over 300 run metres, 12 tackle bus, just absolute, you know, leadership personified. And even outside of all that explosive stuff, just the way he's constantly just probing around the ruck and in support, ready to go. And, you know, the, the try that he set up to Dale Copley, they – Made the line break and had the dragon scatter, but you still need someone to take the correct option. And he just finds it so quickly. He's such a, a threat, and he's just at the top of his game at the moment. I thought Drew Hutchison, that was probably one of the best games I've seen him play. He's been around for a little while now, but you can kind of see why Trent Robinson likes having him in the team. He's a very much a no-frills, no fuss sort of player. He's not a, a highlight reel sort of guy, but he just um really got the job done today. And the decision to start Lockie Lamb gives Sam Walker a bit of a rest. Poor Walker, he's been a, a breath of fresh air this year, but he's got absolutely bashed. There's about, you know, 50 kilos of him. And every time the forwards get a hold of him, he, he gets rattled. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I like I liked that move. I thought Sam Walker had a bit more impact just being a bit more fresh. And Lockie Lamb had a really good start to the game. So, I mean, injury told him get any better. Adam Kieran knocked out 12 minutes in. They had to push Tilly Tupanura out wide. And they lost Nat Butcher in the second half. So, both of their edges got reshuffled. It's, uh, it's just a magnificently coached side at the moment.
2: Yeah, and we saw um uh, Joe warrior Hargraves as well got sort of doubled both his knees bent back bent the wrong way it looked like in a, in a tackle up, like or hyper extended it looked painful um and i and you know he sort of just after a while brushed up got back in the defensive line and, and kept going um, and that's just sort of I mean, that's what the roosters have become known for right like they used to be uh, known as a sort of like a razzle dazzle team and they still are but man they've got a real grit about them don't they and it's just that's just a Trent, a Trent Robertson coach side um yeah, yeah well done to them
0: plenty of character in this team robert was asked how jared was and he said it's okay since he moved to mossman he's been doing a lot of yoga and pilates so he was, uh, <laughs> he was fine um but that keeps them in the uh the top four so i um, pretty impressive considering their injury toll the saturday games finished up with the eels and the cowboys 32 points to 16 to uh to Parramatta. now um a four match losing streak for them coming into this one and get some high class opposition they um They had to win this one, but they kind of had to make a statement as well. I don't know if I'd quite call this a statement, but at least Mitch Moses was really good, ran the ball, set up, you know, a lot of their attacking plays, um, did some good stuff. So I guess they got what they needed to get out of the game. Yeah, I'm actually
2: interested to hear your your true feelings on this as an Eels fan. Let's take away your unbiased journalistic integrity and we'll just talk about as a pure Eels fan. I'm sure you would have wanted to see some, you know, like like a phoenix rising from the ashes, a real dominant display from Parramatta to sort of get their season back and back on track, silence the critics, blah blah blah. Yes, I don't think this was it. Um, really, like, how do you feel after after this result?
0: I mean, it was a bit of a no-win, really. I mean, if you win by 50 points, everyone says, oh, it's only the Cowboys, and you got Storm and Panthers in the next two weeks. They just needed to find some confidence. I think they needed something to start to turn things around, and um, more than anything, I think I liked that Dylan Brown was quite positive, and, and like he's had a pretty quiet year by you know, the, the standards of his talent, so to see him and Mitch Moses both play well, I thought was good signs. There wasn't a whole lot to be gained out of it. They just needed to get the win and they uh, got it there's obviously sterner tests to come in the next fortnight they're probably going to finish sixth no matter what they can't drop to seventh and um, they're going to need a lot of help to, to get any higher than six from where they are now so um, that's you know i can't see them being a huge threat in the finals i just need to um to build some confidence over the next two weeks and you know hopefully win week one against newcastle or titans whoever it ends up being and you know from there who knows anything can happen
2: isn't that what don't you find that incredibly disappointing No, seeing as Parramatta were, you know, you know, two thirds two of the way through the season. They were, you know, almost guaranteed a top four spot. They were looking really, really good. This was the Parramatta that, you know, we've all been building towards and and, and waiting to see. And then it's just sort of, you know, done a complete um complete U-turn and it's and it's sliding down slightly. And now to be, you know, your language just says they're guaranteed six, but they're not really gonna make much of a dent in the finals is is um, I'm sure it would be soul crushing.
0: Oh, a little bit. I think they probably got a bit of a reality check. They've All their hard games have come at the end of the year, so it might have been a little bit of a false form line how high they were sitting, not having you know, having all these games to come against Manly, South, Penrith, Melbourne, um, all these tough teams sitting at the the back end of the year. And I wonder if they're just a little bit one track as well. Like they kind of rely on this high energy steamrolling through teams, running over the top of teams. And they're, you know, you take your Regan Campbell Gillard out and, you know, now Mike Sebo misses the end of the year, Blake Ferguson's missed a lot of games. Um, You know, Ryan Madison's out suspended at the moment. So some of their real aggressive sort of yardage men have, um, you know, miss games through injury and that's sort of taken a lot of the sting out of their, their biggest weapon and they just haven't had the, the creativity to find another way. Whereas you look at, you know, Roosters in particular, but teams like Manly that just find different ways, you know, Manly have been winning games without Turbo, which they couldn't do at the start of the year. They've sort of evolved as the season's gone on. I just don't think Parramatta's evolved at all. Well,
2: oh, that's pretty uh, harsh words there. Parramatta have not evolved at all. I like it
0: um do we spend much time on the cowboys disappointing from them again but you know they're just tapering off towards the end of the year i don't think the end of the season comes soon enough for them
2: yeah i think i mean it was good i mean that was still in the game with seven minutes to go i think that's that good signs from them but you know it's you know they're, they're far away enough in the wooden spoon for them not to worry but they know any of the finals like i guess they just have to try and get the they get the most out of each game for what they've got left in the season
0: yeah, I don't have much to add to that. Um, going into the uh, the earlier Saturday game, the Knights 22 points to 16 over the Bulldogs. Um, this was not a performance that was going to scare the six teams above them from Newcastle, but um, given the, the state of their differential, us had to win.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody thought that the Bulldogs were going to trouble the Knights too much, um, you know, for the Bulldogs, same old story love the effort great effort great great desire but just you know the the finesse and the skill level um just just continually lets them lets them down it was kind of the same for Newcastle for a little bit as well like I thought their their attack was really shaky like Mitchell Pierce and the rest of the team didn't really seem to be um clicking um as well as you know you think a a halfback at that level would be um I mean they still got the job done which is which is great but um it was yeah as you said far from convincing considering that the Bulldogs are, you know, guaranteed or well, now guaranteed wooden spooners, and Newcastle are, you know, in the mix for the bottom four of the eight. You would have thought it'd be a much more dominant performance.
0: All up, I thought this game probably reflected better on, on Canterbury than Newcastle. Just their attack for, for the attacking weapons they have in that side, um, just the, their attack just seems so clunky. I, I feel like we're not seeing, you know, Callum Ponga and Bradman Best link up enough on the, the left hand side. Ponga, kind of wonder if he's 100% he's such an attacking force when he's fully fit but just doesn't really seem to be having that same potency at the moment that he he usually does i think connor, connor watson's almost been their best player this year and he was fantastic once again but their their creative players or the rest of them aren't just just not doing enough
2: yeah, I agree. I thought Jake Clifford was pretty good, though. I, th- I think he had a... Um,
0: yeah, true. I mean,
2: he's been, he's, he's been building throughout the year. I thought this was a pretty good game from him, just in terms of... I mean, I think he, he scored a try, I'm pretty sure, and he had um, um some, some pretty good kicks. And he seemed to be playing a lot faster than um, than his halves partner. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think Kalen Ponga, I mean, we know how good he is. And I'm not saying he was bad in this game, but you're right. He hasn't been at his at his um, attacking best for a, a good part of the season now, which is, I guess, disappointing for... Um, the Knights and for the Knights fans. But I think at this point, all they want is to make the finals, which I'm pretty sure is guaranteed for them. Or are they are at a risk of dropping out?
0: They can drop out just due to the state of their for and against, but they would have to lose mm. both of their last two and they would still need to get unlucky with other results, I think. So they're on 24. Sharks and Titans, yeah, right. Raiders all on 20s. They'd need probably two of those teams to win two. And for them, they'd have to drop both their last two. So, yeah. Pretty much. All right, so nine we'll, out of we'll, ten fingers we'll on
2: the, yeah, the finals. Okay. They're almost guaranteed, and I think at this point that that's good enough. And you know, we'll see what happens in the
0: finals. Um, one other thing I want to mention from this game was a highlight moment for for the ages with Jaden um, who's had a pretty tough time of it since coming back from injuries. Uh, handling hasn't been probably as good as it could be, but an absolutely stunning grab off a bit pretty wonky crossfield kick and um, just an amazing put down inside the dead ball line is a fantastic piece of work.
2: I mean, when I saw that live um, on live on TV, I. I... Instantly dismiss it. I thought there'd be no chance he could have done <laughs> anything with that. His back, like he was completely obscuring the ball. um It just looked like you know why is it even bothering to claim a try out of that? And then to get the reverse angle on the camera and see how how perfectly he controlled it and put it down as well it was amazing. I also um there was another pretty spectacular try, the opening try which was off a of Mitch Barnett um, bat back over the dead oh, ball, and yeah. that was pretty spectacular too. But not as good as, as the Jade Knockerboarder closed the game out, but still um pretty spectacular.
0: So what's the deal with you having a couple of weeks off and the Tigers win a couple of games, then you come back and with their season on the line, they uh, concede 50 <laughs> points. How have you done that?
2: I'll t- tell you what, I'll tell you what. I, I would buy into this um, and get all upset and everything, except if if somehow I had magical powers to control the result of games, do you think I'd waste it like um, controlling the results of a football game? Surely I'd use it for something much more worthwhile, like, I don't know, preventing disease or something. So no... I, I can't take I the know. credit for it. It's got nothing to do with
0: me. The game, though, 50 points to 20. Sharks, their three best playmakers at the start of the year were Sean Johnson, Matt Morland, and Chad Townsend. We had one of them's left at the club, one's injured, and one was coming back from injury via the bench. We had Braden Trindle and um, Luke Metcalf in only, what, second or third NRL game, and they, uh, they rack up 50 points against a, a team whose season's on the line. It's, uh, it's a little bit disappointing. A uh, little bit disappointing
2: here. Yeah, that's uh, putting it mildly. I don't know. It, it's, it was, it was, it's unfortunate to have to say it, but it was pure Tigers. Like, that's a typical Tigers game. High, like, you know, it's, it's high stakes against an opposition that they have a very good chance of beating. Um, and they're just sort of, I want to say capitulate because they're in the game at moments, but they just nowhere near good enough. I think that's what it comes down to. They're just nowhere near good enough for long enough. And that's been the case, you know, for the last 10 years. So, you know, I don't know what's going to change, Play, change players, change coaches, nothing, none of that seemed to work. I'm not suggesting that they, they change many players and I don't think they should change the coach either, but it was just, I, I I expected more. And it's, there were a couple of players there that, you know, didn't have their best games. Um, and there's a couple of players there that I think have, have great games and deserve, don't deserve to be um, playing in such an unfortunate team. I'm going to say like Adam Dewey, he is, he's getting better and better. He carries the team at point at, at, at times, Um Missing Dane Laurie, I think, I uh, hurts the team as well because he's easily, you know, top two or three players in that squad. You know, it's just, just same old, same old for the Tigers. Unfortunately, that's what we've um gotten used to these kind of games, these kind of results, and uh, yeah, you know, the
0: more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, Dewey's been a real shining light this year. He's just been phenomenal, especially sort of since moving back into the um, the halves. I've been super impressed with him. Um, for Sharks, I mean, a, a bit of blow with Ronaldo Militalo breaking his jaw. He was um some really classy moments from him in this game. He scored two tries. He had a hat-trick um, opportunity and he dished off a, a maiden career try to, to Luke Metcalf, just a really nice touch. And then uh, end of the game with tears rolling down his cheeks and his season over with a, a jaw broken in two places. He, you know, walks around the outside of the, the ground and thanks the fans and gives his boots away to a young Sharks fan. Just a really classy touch from um, Matt Motalo, who must have just been so disappointed.
2: Yeah, a, a bad way to, to end the game and end the season. But that, that try that he gave away um, to Metcalf, that, that run through the middle of the park was just spectacular stuff. He ran through I don't know, four or five players, I think, length of the field, could have taken it himself, but gave it away. Um, yeah, he had, he had a pretty good game.
0: Separate times in that game, Mulatalo and his uh, opposite flanker Sione Katoa, both just ran straight through the meat of the uh, the Tigers' defence, which I guess sort of summed up their uh, their afternoon. But for the Sharks, uh, into the top eight and uh, destiny in their own hands, which is where you wanted at this time of year. We go back to Friday night footy. A couple of uh, fantastic games on Friday. The Panthers and the Rabbitohs, twenty five points to twelve. Penrith. Uh, I feel like the scoreline probably doesn't quite reflect how close this was for a, a lot of it. But by the same token, it also sort of felt like Penrith were by far the better team for probably the last 50 or so minutes of this one after south started really well
2: yeah i mean i think that that's indicative of like how the score sort of panned out as well right 12 nil to the, to the rabbitos and then the panthers you know run in 25 unanswered unanswered points um to win the game in a pretty dominant fashion yeah I, I think it's just like we've seen it all year souths have had, had this terrible habit of dominating a team early and then just going, sort of taking their foot off the pedal, taking it off the boil a little bit. And there's been heaps of times this year where the, a, a team has, you know, mounted a, a great comeback and Rabbitohs have been strong enough to sort of, you know, snuff it out and, and run back over the top. But, you know, the Panthers are... There's two teams that are going to win the competition this year, really. It's Melbourne and the Panthers. So the Panthers are an excellent team and you just can't... You can't do that because they're going to get you. And, and that's what happened. Yeah, there was some unfortunate... Um, you know, player oh, Josh Mansor. I'll say he unfortunately um, he was found out a couple of times, and just you know his his night started well, but then just progressively got worse, and that really didn't help things. Um, but it's definitely not on his shoulders exclusively, and that's just that's just what it is. Like the Rabbits, they they're a great team, but as Spud was saying, like they they excellent backline, but they sort of lack you know a real they've got starch, they haven't got strike in the forwards, um, you know, the way they used to anyway, and that's probably what what they're missing.
0: Yeah, just that really, I guess the Sam Burgess style, like Spud was saying, that one really dominant, you know, Panthers have got, you know, Fisher-Harris, just that, you know, that Sam Burgess style, the talisman to just get everyone on his back and say, follow me and just really sort of dominate the... um, the opposition, I guess, for Panthers, scary prospect for everyone else, given they do have Fisher-Harris to come back. He didn't play in this game. And Brian Toto, who I don't think people have yeah. quite been talking about just how much they've missed him since he's been injured, but a chance that he's back before finals or for, for week one of the finals. And the difference he makes to the start of their sets is just absolutely massive. Probably the biggest talking point for me out of this one was that once Penrith shook off those early stutters and got into the grind of the game, it just did not really look like South could go with them. And other than Melbourne, it just doesn't look like anyone can go with those two teams once they're playing properly. So in a prelim or in a grand final, I just, I don't see um, Panthers or Storm getting beaten by anyone other than Panthers or Storm. Yeah,
2: yeah, me too. And um, I, I mean, I love an upset. I really do. But I, I think just for, you know, reward for effort, I really hope that, you know, they don't, they don't drop a game. It, either one of those two teams don't drop a game in the finals because I'd love to see a... You want to see those two teams in the grand final because that's really that's what this season's all been about. Um, but you know the finals, it's a whole new competition. Anything can happen.
0: Um, yeah, never say never. Absolutely. Well, the earlier Friday game, this was uh, pretty entertaining too, I thought. The uh, Seagulls, 19 points to 18 over the uh, the Raiders. Um, Canberra probably let this one slip uh, a little bit. Manly, um, you know, under the rack at, at different times and doing it without Tommy Turbo, who we think is probably just going to miss that that one game. But um, yeah, a pretty good contest, I thought. Yeah, this one
2: was... I had so much fun watching this game. It was like the perfect way to start a weekend. It was just um yeah it was just high stakes uh it was high quality and you know a thrilling finish it was just it was just great fun um you say the the raiders kind of let this one slip i would say they they definitely let this one slip they were in a really good position to to win it you know 12 nil up and you know we know that the the hoodoo of the 12 nil lead has been haunting the raiders for a fair bit this season It was just um unfortunate that it happened to them again probably not as in as in such you know um uh, extreme fashion yeah spectacular fashion as not happened before but but still um it happened and they um uh, they'll be pretty i mean this was manly's a, you know, a top four team they've been playing so well for them, for the the 80 of this year and this was a great opportunity for the raiders to knock them over and they had it in the palm of their hand and they sort of um they dropped it so uh pretty disappointing from them but for manly i think to get a a win against quality opposition without um, Tommy Turbo, I think will do wonders for, for their confidence going forwards.
0: Strange coaching decision, I thought. Um, Fantastic to see Charles dippel Cookstar back on the field after that neck injury. Just absolutely delighted to see him back playing um, first grade. But to to substitute him on at fullback and take Jordan Ruppin off after Ruppin has actually sort of, I think his first game or two back there was pretty shaky. He's actually been improving every week and been quite good of late. I I I just feel like you should have thrown Charles in there at you know maybe at centre or as you know a bit of a roaming loose forward just to have a, a run around to get him into the game. And I think he came up with an error off his. His first run and yeah uh, uh, he's such a great guy and i felt really bad for him but i felt like there was probably a bit of unnecessary pressure on him just given the game was so close and on the line and he hadn't played for so long
2: yeah fair enough but i think he was i mean charles nickle clockstag or or cnk as i like to call him (laughs) um is was one of my favorite players last year and he still is he's just he's just been injured so and he's, I mean, he's proven himself to be a high quality uh, fullback who can, um, you know, who can withstand uh, high intensity games and can deliver results. And I guess Ricky Stewart just, you know, that's the that's Ricky method, like method, isn't it? I've got faith in you. I know you can go out there and do that job for me. And I guess, you know, that was the, uh, that was the method that he used and it didn't quite work out because uh, he dropped the ball on his first touch, which is unfortunate. But I actually, watching this game, I developed a theory about the ratings and I want, I want to run it by you. So We've been talking about their, you know, the 12, uh, Canberra Raiders second half faders. That's the the name they've been um, branded with this year because you know they've been fading in the second half. After every single Raiders game, win or lose, the whole team looks just completely spent. Like they're, they're out on their feet. Siren goes. They're on the, you know, they're on their haunches. They're lying on their backs. They're just, you know, sucking in air in their lungs. Do you think that they are just? They, they play with such intensity for so long that when it comes to like that last, you know, they haven't got enough for that, that, that the last 10 minutes of a game, like they're, they're, they're playing it. If they're playing at, you know, 10 or 11, they're redlining the whole game. Um, they just don't have enough in their reserves to sort of, you know, to keep going for the full period. And that's, I mean, that's, that's the theory that I'm working with because they're an excellent team. Um, but geez, they just look spent after every single match.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's what Parramatta do with their seasons, and Canberra just do it every week with each game. <laughs> um, just before we move on from uh, from Manly, a couple of absolute wrecking balls really finding their feet in Moses Suli and Hamaliola Kawatu, just um, two serious prospects, really physically imposing um, guys, and I think more remarkable that neither of them probably would have been close to the the first grade best seventeen even at this stage of the year, if no one else had been injured. I mean, you look at the back rowers, Manly have lost that have given Homali a chance. And then I think Brad Parker was sitting out this one. Moses Sully potentially still not in a best 17 next week or the week after. Both of them are just such a, a massive handful and, uh, and so good to watch. And of course, the first game of the weekend, all the way back on Thursday night, the Storm 34 points to 20 over the Titans. Um, some good stuff in here from the Titans. I absolutely loved uh, Jane Campbell's performance. Um, took it to Melbourne at, at different times, but um, you know, I guess early on we kind of thought maybe this is the where the streak comes undone. Maybe this is where the uh, you know Melbourne finally uh, fall over. But of course, once they got into the grind of the game, a little bit like Penrith against South, they um, look pretty just unstoppable.
2: Yeah, I tell you what, Melbourne were there to be beaten I think. Like the Titans had them like really early on. The Titans were all over them. I think Melbourne were a little bit shook. Um, you know, did some kind of un-Melbourne like things in trying to sort of reclaim the lead. I felt they're trying to weren't trying to build pressure, they're just trying to go for the um, you know, a fancy um, fancy play and a quick try wasn't quite working for them and I think the you know, the last couple of weeks Melbourne have been there or thereabouts to be to be beaten. Um yeah i think the titans really blew a chance here it was, it was unfortunate but you know melbourne like we just said earlier there's two teams in this competition that can that should be able to win the win and one of them is melbourne so um you know even on an off day you have to be 100% to to beat them and, and the titans weren't obviously because they um you know they really sort of uh fell off the pace uh, as the game went on um and yeah melbourne one more so they're equal the equal winningest team of all time in terms of streaks and so one more and then um, they've broken the record that's right
0: And uh, off the top of my head, I believe it's Parramatta that's standing in front of them next week. Yeah, it is. Let's not talk about that right now. Don't worry (laughs) about that next week. Um, This was a Melbourne team without... Jerome Hughes, without and without Justin Olin, they've still got Nelson for Solomon and Turi Kamikamitha to come back from injury. So plenty of their top-line stars missing. Brandon Smith, who's one of their best and most important players, um, sitting out as well. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, you know they were there to be beaten, but um, once they get all those guys back, they probably won't be there to be beaten by yeah. uh, anyone who isn't absolutely at the top of their game.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, exactly, right. So they've got all these players to come back. They, they are an excellent team even without them. So when these players come back, they'll be unbeatable. This was a very rare chance. The door was slightly ajar for them to be beaten, and then, and they didn't um they didn't seize the opportunity, which is a real shame. Um, there was a lot spoken about David Fafita after the game in that like he started quite. I mean, he started really well, um, quite strong, and then sort of dropped out of the match. And a lot of people have been uh, saying that he's he's great against not-so-good teams, and relatively quiet in games against quality opposition. Um, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I heard that as well. I don't know. I mean, he it absolutely destroyed Souths in the first half earlier in the year in a game that Souths eventually went on to win, but he scored, I think he ran through for a first half hat-trick, and he was ragdolling Rabbitohs around. Admittedly, they not they weren't going as well then as what they are going um, at the moment, but it's not like he never does it in, in big games. Um, you know, I think that's maybe a little bit unfair or a little bit selective but um, yeah he was certainly very well contained in this game and pretty well contained through the origin series as well um, when he played I thought so um, yeah I mean he's still a young man despite you know being I guess a a senior or a leader amongst that team and and physically being so big and so imposing but he's still I think learning how to be a consistent week to week NRL player at the same time which you know maybe that you know when you're on that sort of a pay packet it's not necessarily an excuse but um yeah, I think maybe the criticism has been a little bit over the top.
2: No, fair enough. I think, I mean, he was, you definitely noticed him um, at the beginning of this game because he was, he was just playing, you know, he, he was playing a really good game. And then I sort of, you know, didn't even realize he was on the field towards the end, but, um, you know, that's, you know, know—they're playing against Melbourne, Melbourne are going to run over the top.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was very well contained as the, the game went on and I think. He's such a big focal point for the Titans that the storm would have had a plan for him as the Blues did in Origin, just get right up in his face, you know, like Cam Murray was doing, just cut down his, his time and his space. And like once you let him wind up and, and target the smaller men, then he's just almost impossible to stop. But if you um if you don't let him wind up, if you cut down his time and space and you have a plan for him, then um yeah, he's I guess he's still learning how to uh, to combat that when when teams do have a good plan for him.
2: Yeah, fair enough.
0: Um, I did. I touched on Jaden Campbell earlier, but I'd have to talk about him again. I love watching this kid play. He's so such a special talent. That that aerial um, leap to to outjump. Um, I can't remember who he outjumped now, but he uh, got the. Well, I can't remember, but it, yeah, that was a special special try. Um, he's a small. He's a small bloke. He's a young bloke. I feel like he's still a fair bit bigger than his dad was. Preston obviously famously punched above his weight for his uh, entire career. But, uh, yeah, just really looking forward to seeing what Jaden Campbell can bring as his uh, career evolves. How many games in? Is this is his fourth game, I think? About that, yeah. does hasn't played heaps. Yeah, so, like, he's
2: obviously, um, you know, he, with every game comes... Um, you know the mounting pressure of expectation but he's he's definitely fun to watch and he you know he, he's got some talent about it, uh, among him that's for sure and he is he's one of those guys that like you know you can probably pile him in with say sam walker and those just guys with a really small frame playing like playing a game against some pretty huge you know slabs of muscle in other players and he just you know he can cop punishment but he can also dance around them so um yeah it'd be great to see how he goes
0: yeah, his footwork, uh, his evasiveness are uh, uh, remarkable. Anyway, it's uh, probably a pretty long podcast for a, a Sunday session. Now, uh, uh, thanks again to uh, to Mark Carroll for having a yarn at the uh, the top of the show. And Kenny, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us back from your uh, little paternity leave stint. I'll, uh, I'll let you go and uh, attend to the, the family duties that are awaiting you. But um, yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. Be back. Uh, us two again this time next week.